Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different grape varieties, the different regions, and the history and culture of wine. I'm here with uh, Ricard from uh, Scala Day, a very famous winery in Priorat. Uh, Ricard, could you introduce yourself and your background in wine and how you became a winemaker? Well, uh, my name is Ricard Rofes. Uh, I'm, I'm now the winemaker and uh, the CEO of uh, Scala Day. Uh, I started winemaking in Scala Day in 07. And the, the, the question about how I became winemaker uh, is, uh, is something that I think that uh, I had on my blood. I mean, uh, I'm from Priorat. So my family had, uh, had uh, vineyards. And uh, what, I, what I was sure uh, at the time that you have to choose what to study is that uh, I wanted to do something related to, to nature. The thing is that uh, I started studying uh, forestry engineering, but uh, during two years, but uh, I didn't like it. So then uh, I went to work uh, as a, in the construction as a, as a, as a helper. But uh, I had a good friend of mine that told me, "Look, here in the in the technical school of Alset, they're they giving a, a, a course of uh, of winemaking." And during the day I was uh, working, and, and at night I went I went to study uh, enology or, or winemaking. And I was lucky because I had uh, three really good teachers that uh, that uh, somehow awake the thing that I that, that I had inside. And uh, after doing this one year course, I went to the university and I uh, studied uh, winemaking at the university. And, uh, and I started winemaking uh, as, as a chief winemaker when I was 21 in a really big co-op in, uh, in Monsanto Appalachian. And from then, uh, it's something that uh, I have, how to say, is, is, where, is uh, how when you find what you are looking for. No? Uh, it's because for me, uh, the, winemake, the, the job of winemaking is uh, you are related to nature, you are related to something that's uh, every year different. So uh, it's it's never the same uh, a tank that's fermenting to another tank that's fermenting. And uh, you can see the wall, uh, the wall line from the vine to the table. And that's really, really interesting. So um, what about the winery itself, Scala Day? Can you uh, describe the history of the winery? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a large history because uh, you have to think that the, the history of our winery started uh, before New York, for example, exists. We are in Priorat. Uh, Priorat. Priorat is a Catalan uh, noun given to the lands that were owned by the prior. And the prior was, was the chief monk of, uh, of a Cartusian monastery. Okay? So if we went to the Middle Ages, uh, when uh, Spain was under the Muslim control, the, the, the Catholics, uh, they, they made the, the reconquered or, or they, they uh, exposed the, the Muslim, Muslims. And uh, this part of uh, Catalonia, where we are, uh, in the 12th century was, was uh, recently reconquered. And uh, the king of uh, Catalonia in that moment asked to the monks that were based on the big uh, Chartres, uh, Grand Chartres de Grenoble in France, to came to the area to build a monastery in order uh, to help to Christianize the area. Well, the legend says that uh, four monks from the Grand Chartres of Grenoble uh, took a trip, and when they were by the area that we know nowadays as Escala Day, uh, they found a shepherd who told them that uh, he had every day the same dream. And the dream was that uh, from a pine tree, he saw the angels coming down and up to heaven. Uh, the monks took that as a sign and decided to build uh, a monastery just where this pine tree was. And it's uh, just 500 meters from the, from the winery. Well, that's a legend, can be true or not, uh, or maybe the shepherd took some wild mushrooms, we don't know. 
But what's true is that uh, that monks that arrived in the 12th century were the people who brought us the knowledge about vine growing and winemaking. So we can say that from the 12th century, Scaladei and Priorat is, is a land of wine. And uh, nowadays, Scaladei, Sanchez Scaladei, that's our winery, uh, we are still running or still managing some of the vineyards that the monks uh, planted uh, two, three, four centuries ago. I have to say that obviously the plants are not the same as we had the, the phylloxera attack. But what's true is that uh, uh, we own a handwritten document made by a, by a monk of the monastery that was written in 1624, uh, where he explains which are the best places to plant each variety in Scaladei. So the title of the, of, of, of the document is what to plant in Scaladei. And he describes if you have to plant in high altitude, where he says that there are uh, cool soils, uh, you have to use Garnacha. If you are going down on the slate soil, you have to use uh, Macharo. And at least four of the vineyards that we are still managing today, uh, we know that at least uh, 350 years ago were planted with Garnacha. So that full of history, but also the Priorat's history is kind of very long, but also quite new in the sense that it's reinvented in the late 1980s. Can you talk a little bit about how uh, Priorat became famous again? Well, it's true. Uh, Priorat is, is, is a wine area uh, uh, around eight, nine centuries ago, because uh, uh, it's an area that's been producing wine uh, for centuries. But it's true that it's a, it's a very young area about bottled wine. So the, the, the first bottling in Priorat was made by our winery in 1888 for the Universal Exhibition of Paris. Then again, no, sorry, 1878 for, uh, for Paris. And then in the 1888 for the uh, Universal Exhibition of Barcelona. But then what happened was that uh, Phylloxera arrived. Uh, the vines were completely destroyed. Uh, and after that, the Spanish Civil War occurred and uh, Priorat was, uh, after the Spanish Civil War, the poorest area of Catalonia. So we have to think that uh, before Phylloxera, Priorat was an area where there were around 30,000 people living. Uh, in the same area nowadays, we are uh, 9,000 people living. Before Phylloxera, Priorat as a region, not as an appellation, was an area where there were around uh, 18,000 hectares of uh, mines planted. Nowadays, in between the two appellations that, that are in this area known as Priorat, that are Priorat Appellation and Monsanto Appellation, uh, there is no more than 4,500 hectares. Uh, so the truth is that uh, Phylloxera made a really big disaster for the area. And uh, it was like that. So people was leaving the area. Uh, people was going to find a job in Barcelona, in Tarragona, or in the cities. Uh, a lot of, uh, of uh, vineyards uh, were abandoned. And uh, what happened was that uh, at the end of the 80s, uh, four people, five people from uh, outside Priorat arrived into the area and uh, one of them that uh, is Alvaro Palacios, that I think that uh, he, he should have a monument in each town in Priorat, because uh, uh, it's what made that people like me, uh, we can live and work uh, where we were born. Uh, they started bottling wine and, uh, and uh, they put Priorat in the, in the map of the wine wall. So, uh, Priorat is a very old area about winemaking, but it's a very new area. So uh, the, the first good Priorats uh, with good scores uh, recognized by, by the critics uh, everywhere happened during the 90s. So uh, it's true. It's old and new at the same time. And that's kind of what makes Priorat exciting, that it's kind of a re reinvention of uh, something that's very historic. Let's talk about Priorat specifically. It's one of the reasons why plantings had disappeared to a certain extent because Priorat is a difficult 
area to grow vines and make wine? Well, uh, it's difficult. Uh, yes, uh, if you, if you are thinking on vine uh, growing and wine making as a factory. I mean, if you are if you are hoping uh, for really big yields and uh, to have a big winery where where you can make uh, three, four, five uh, million bottles, uh, Priorat is not your place. Uh, Priorat is a place where it's really hard to work as uh, it's a very steep slope area, so it's a very hilly. Uh, you cannot put machinery in terms of uh, of uh, working in the vineyard, so everything uh, must be done uh, by hand. In fact, for example, one of the rules of the appellation is that it's forbidden to pick by machine, but it's easy to put this rule because it's impossible to pick with machine in Priorat due to the orography, due to how, how the area is. No? By the other by the other hand, uh, it's difficult. Uh, people from here uh, they don't know anything else. I mean, it's like uh, the the myth of the cavern of Plato. No, when you know a reality, it's the thing you know, and you are used to that. No, uh, by this by this way, uh, probably these characteristics are the ones that has made Priorat wines unique. So uh, there are. Uh, I used to say that uh, when you are talking about uh, wine area, you can describe it using three characteristics that are uh, soil, climate, and grape. The slate soil that you find in Priorat can be can, can be found in other places, but the combination of this slate soil, uh, the Mediterranean climate, and the using of the two historic grapes that are Gamache and Carignana, it doesn't happen anywhere else than in Priorat. And the scarcity because a priorat population, uh, it's making every year not more than 5 million bottles. So uh, this scarcity, this typicity, this uniqueness that, uh, that it's difficult to be imitated or to be copied in other, in other areas, uh, probably has made that priorat uh, is one of these really small regions that make unique wines in the world. And how would you describe the climate of priorat? Because it's near the Mediterranean coast, it's also near the kind of the de the desert of uh, inland Catalonia. Yeah, uh, the climate the climate in Priorat, uh, we have a Mediterranean climate, uh, so we are really close to the to the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, in the straight line, we are at 20, 25 kilometers uh, from from the sea. But Priorat is located between two chain mountains, uh, and it makes that uh, we have some hints of continental climate. Uh, what it means? Uh, it means that. Uh, Summers are uh, hotter than in the coast, but drier. Uh, winters are cooler than in the coast and drier too. So uh, uh, the Mediterranean climate, uh, well, now everything is changing about the, this climate change, but is uh, we have two wet seasons that uh, we say that uh, wet, we say wet uh, when we are talking about uh, around uh, between 400, 500 liters per square meter per year. That's not a lot, but it's enough to grow vines. And uh, then we have two very dry seasons, that's winter and summer. And uh, that climate that we have makes that uh, it's easy in terms of uh, managing the vineyard because uh, we don't need to do treatments. So it's very easy in, the, in that sense because uh, with uh, two two times with sulfur and uh, depending on the year, maybe one with copper, uh, we, uh, we we can pick healthy grapes. And that's, uh, it's very good because it's not like if you are in the Atlantic or in Bordeaux, that they have to to, to spend a lot of time uh, trading with uh, with copper, no? What about um, water? If it's uh, quite a dry climate, but you're not irrigating and the soils are very slate driven, how do the vines function? Well, uh, there are two things. Irrigation is forbidden, okay, uh, if you don't ask to be allowed. And it very, it, it, it's, it's wired, but it's easy to understand. So uh, irrigation is controlled by the appellation. Uh, normally, when we plant a new vineyard, uh, you must uh, irrigate if you want to assure uh, the plants to be alive during the, five, the four or five first years. Uh, but by, in the other hand, 
Uh, this slate soil that we call Llicorella, it's a very deep soil uh, and the roots can go really deep to, to, to look for this water. It's true that the part of the plant that we see in the aerial part uh, sometimes is uh, one-tenth of the rooting system that we have uh, in the earth. So uh, it's, it's a very breakable soil, so the, the roots can go really deep uh, on, on that soil. And that makes, that makes another thing that's uh, normally the drought it's uh, something that can uh, that can make the yield of of a, of a vintage to another vintage very different. But this really really good stabilized root system makes that our yields are very regular from one year to another year. So let's talk about old vines as well, because Priorat is famous for old vines. How do they make a difference to uh, the taste of a wine? There is there is. Uh, I think that uh, normally people think that is uh, all vines means good wine, but it's not always like that. It's true that uh, the good thing about the old vines is that they are uh, themselves balanced. So it's like it's like uh, it's like uh, the humans. I mean, uh, every spe species in the world, what they want is to uh, try to have as more DNA as possible in the future. No? So when you, when, you, when you are young, uh, you have the ability uh, to have a lot of sons. When you, when you are old, it's more difficult. No? So, uh, and, the, and with the vines, it's the same. So uh, when, when a young mind trends to uh, have a, a higher yield, an old mind is more balanced, so less yield means more concentration. And uh, but you can have a very old vine planted in the, in the in the bottom of the of a, of a valley uh, close to the river, and uh, you can have a very uh, I was saying I was going to say shitty grapes. And in if you invest a lot of time managing a young vine or young vineyard, you can get the same quality that can give you uh, all mine. But yeah, what's true uh, is that uh, the, the, this, the name that uh, got Priorat at the beginning of the 90s came from all mines. And, and it was like that because Priorat was an area where uh, during, after the Spanish Civil War, until the beginning of the 90s, nobody was planting uh, vines because it, it, it was not a business. So the only vines that, uh, were, that were remaining uh, during the 80s were vines that were planted after phylloxera. And uh, it, as it were really well balanced, the, the wines that we know from Pirat of the 90s were wines with a very deep concentration, really good color, uh, ripe tannin, uh, good acidity, and it makes Priorat well-known. The vines that you work with, are they all old vines, or, or are you planting new vines as well? They are not all uh, old vines. As if you if you work in a, in a winery, you must go planting and replanting in order to don't... Because to, to, if you are during 30 years not planting vines, uh, then you will have during uh, some years that uh, all the vines will be dying and, and you don't you, you won't have it. Uh, I would say that the average age the average age for our vineyards is around 40 something years. but we are working with vineyards that uh, were planted three years ago and uh, the oldest vineyard that we are working with is uh, is a Corinian uh, that's planted in the town of uh, Torroja that was planted after phylloxera and was planted in 1908. But it's a very low yield. It's, we are talking about one tone, one tone per hectare. So you've got to think about the practicalities of uh, what, how much wine you can actually make. I have one question. What's the difference between Priorat and Monsanto? The, the main difference the main difference is the soil. Because uh, Monsanto, the soil in Monsanto is more a sandy, clay, and uh, limestone soil and if we talk about priorat 
uh, we can say that, that the 95, 97% of uh, the soil in the private population is a slate soil. And that's, that's the biggest difference. Because the climate uh, is more or less the same. Uh, the, this Mediterranean with these hints of continental climate. And the grapes are the historic grapes, the same too. So Garnacha and Carignan, Garnacha and Carignan. So the main, the main difference is, is the soil. Is there a difference in altitude? Well, uh, the altitude changes in both appellations. So Priorat, uh, to, to have an idea, Priorat is like, uh, is like a three valleys that goes from uh, east to west. And the highest part is in the east side where we can find vineyards that are planted at 700, 700 something, 800 meters. And the, lower, and the lower part is in the area of Belmont, in the west part. And, uh, and, and there the altitude is around 200 meters. So, as an uh, priorat is a very hilly area, you can find uh, on these valleys, so uh, 700 meters altitude north facing or uh, south facing. And, and you can get grapes from uh, the area of Belmont at 200 meters altitude. Uh, south, north, east facing. So, so uh, it 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 changes, and in the the Monsan is the same because we have to think that uh, Priorat and Monsan is like a ring. So the center is Priorat, and uh, all the area that's surrounding Priorat is Monsan appellation. And in the, in the south part of Monsan, the altitude is low; it's 100, 150. But in the north part north part of Monsan, it's the area of Cornudella or the Moulins, the altitude can go uh, till 700, 800 meters too. So in both Appalachians, you've got very varied um, growing conditions. So how, how does that affect um, the style of the wines that you're making? If you've got lower altitude, higher altitude, how is that changing the wines? Well, it, uh, for me, it changes a lot. Uh, I started winemaking in Montana Appalachian, in the south part of Montana Appalachian. When I was there, uh, in the area of Marroch, I thought that Garnacha was a grape that was not a good grape to make uh, top wines. Because uh, in that area, uh, Garnacha used to ripe really fast. Uh, you had really high sugar level and very low uh, acid level. So it was something that was not uh, easy to drink. And, and, and normally the skin was uh, some barnet. So the aroma was like a uh, cooked and I didn't like Garnacha uh, when I was working on that on that part of the of the comarca. Uh, and, I, and, uh, and there I, I used to make the wines based on Carignana. Carignana had higher acidity, uh, less alcohol, so the wine. Then I moved to Scaladei and uh, when I joined the Scaladei, uh, <laughs> it was funny because uh, one of the owners that was uh, an old man that was called Manel Peira took me on his uh, Lada Niva car and uh, he took me to take a look on, at all of the vineyards. And he started look that's La Parada and Isgarnacha, that's San Antonio and Isgarnacha, that's everything, everything, everything. Every vineyard was Garnacha. And I thought, well, where I've gone? And uh, after 15 or 16 uh, vineyards, uh, I asked, uh, sorry, and uh, where do you have Carignana? Because I was thinking, Garnacha, it's something that you cannot use to make top wines, no? And he said, what are you saying? There is no Carignana in Scalay. Never has been Carignana planted in Scalay. And, that, and that's like that, because uh, Carignana is a grape that has a longer cycle, and Scalay is located in the northern part of Priorat, in a high-altitude area, and there is no time to write for Carignana. But on the other hand, it's a perfect place for Garnacha. Well, when he, when he told me, no, there is no Carignana in Scaladei, I, 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 I thought, shit, I made a bad decision coming here. But it was middle August, and uh, then we started picking at uh, middle September. And uh, what happened was that uh, what I get in the winery, as a Garnacha was not was nothing to see uh, about what I knew about Garnacha in the south part. In 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 Scalay Garnacha is vibrant, uh, is is fresh, is fruity, 
is is uh, low alcohol so it was something completely completely uh useful to make uh good wines and, and then uh, i became garnachista instead of uh, carignanista interesting because carignano or carignano has a bad reputation in some circumstances because it has high yields astringent tannins other when it's older vines it it is very high quality so it's interesting that you were more in the Carignania band than Garnacha. But that's that, that that's but that's uh, like uh, everything. I mean, not everywhere you can plant mines uh, because uh, there are places that are better for wheat or are better for olive oil trees or for almond trees. But when uh, you find uh, the place with the right conditions for uh, grape, for Garnacha or for Carignan, I think that uh, we cannot say that one grape is better than another. Uh, you can have really uh, amazing Carignanas that, that can beat a Garnacha, Corona Suñón, a Malbec, because uh, are in the right place. And you can have a really uh, fantastic and amazing Garnachas if are planted in, in, the, in the right place. Uh, look, uh, in Scaladei, in our winery, uh, we own around 70 hectares of vineyard that are spread on 41 different vineyards, going from 400 meters to 800 meters in altitude. Well, about these 41 different vineyards, uh, 32 or 33 are Grenache. So the, 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 the smallest vineyard is 0.3 hectares, so one acre. And the biggest vineyard we have is three hectares, so nine acres. Uh, every year after after harvest, uh, when when the wines are made, we make a blind tasting out of the granaches. And what happens is that there are four or five vineyards that even if you are tasting in a blind tasting, when you arrive to that one, you can say the name of the vineyard. That's San Antonio, that's Masdeu, that's Pregona. The, there can be other granaches that could that can be the same quality or even better, but uh, you cannot say is that vineyard. Well, for me, when when it happens that uh, every year in a blind tasting you can say you are San Antonio, you are Masdeo, you are that vineyard, is when uh, you when the place has the characteristics uh, for that grape because it's showing always the same profile of the wine. And for me, to make wine means that. To make, to make wine means to show the place where the grapes came from. And, uh, and for me, that. Uh, so we can have good or bad uh, Carignanas or Nachas or Chardonnay or what else, depending on, on uh, if the conditions, if the characteristics of the place are the, the good ones for, for the grape. And what about the... Um international grape varieties. So I have three wines, uh, and the Prior says it has um, Syrah and Cabernet Sauvignon in it. What do they bring to Priorat? Well, that's, uh, that, that's, that's uh, something that uh, we get from the 90s. I mean, we were talking a few minutes ago about when Priorat became well-known on the, on the wine world. And it happened, it happened at the beginning of the 90s, no? At the beginning of the 90s, the, the wine critics uh, or, or the wines that were mm, well uh, scored by the wine critics were Bordeaux wines overall, no? Uh, and overall, if we talk about Parker. And uh, Priorat was a very young area about uh, bottling wine. And again, for me, it's like the humans. What childs do, what adults do. So what Priorat did at the beginning of the 90s to make wines, uh, to try to make it interesting for the critics. So uh, put in the bottle what people were expecting from a wine at the time. And it's true that during the 90s, uh, if we talk about period wines, uh, we can find uh, wines that are 40, 50, 60, even 70, 80% of these uh, French grapes. Well, it was during 10, 12 years. At the beginning of, the, of 2000, 2002, 2004, something like that, uh, there was a kind of general thinking in the area that 
people or, 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 or the people that we were living here said, ah, okay, if we want to be somebody in the wine world, we cannot try to copy another area. We, we have to show what we are. No? And uh, what, what's Priorat? Priorat is late. Is Garnacha, is Corinna. <coughs> Sorry, in Scalay we have some clay soils too. From then, uh, a lot of uh, Cabernet Sauvignon vineyards, a lot of Cabernet Franc, a lot of Merlot vineyards has been pulled out or re-wrapped again into uh, the historic grave of Garnacha and Carignana. If we compare the wines from the 90s uh, with the wines that are made nowadays, uh, probably the wines that are made nowadays are wines uh, with a little bit less of uh, body, a little bit less of structure. The wines from the 90s were really more uh, full-bodied. Probably the wines from nowadays are lighter in color, a little bit lighter in color than the wines from the 90s. But for me, the wines of uh, nowadays that are made in Priorat uh, are wines that are uh, that has the roots in the area. So for me, it's, it's, it's uh, really more, more easy to identify in a blind tasting a wine from Priorat made uh, nowadays than the wines made in the 90s. In fact, for me, the, the wines that were made in the 90s in Priorat, if you take a wine from the 90s of Priorat and you take a Super Tuscany uh, from the 90s and you put it together, you can be completely confused. It's true that our Prior is made mainly with Garnache, uh, then uh, we add Carignana, but we still have uh, some vineyards that we we have not yet regraft uh, into into Garnacho Carignana, so we still have uh, a little bit of Cabernet and Syrah. And in the blind of Prior, that's the only one that uh, has these 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 grapes of the wines uh, you have. It's seven percent of Cabernet, around seven percent of Cabernet, seven percent of Syrah. Well, it, it helps us in some in some way to make it. Uh, more, let's say, international. Uh, but uh, I would say that uh, it's, it's a wine dominated by the Garnacha and the Garignana, but with these hints of uh, international taste. Well, it's delicious, so <laughs> it's not a problem. One question about alcohol. So the alcohol of these wines, the Prior is 14.5, the Cartoche and the Mastu are 15%, so really high alcohol. How do you manage that? How do you try to get it balanced and integrated? Well, it's high alcohol because uh, we work mainly with Grenache and Grenache is a high sugar producer. So then uh, we don't like to use uh, this uh, rising column to take out alcohol. But the good thing or, or, or the thing that we are lucky about is that uh, in the area of Scladay, due to the altitude, uh, we can pick Grenache at uh, mid-October, end of October, with this 14, 14 and a half, but with good acidity. And then if if the balance between the acidity, the right timing is balanced, you don't feel this sensation of, how to say, the sensation of really alcoholic wine. Uh, you can feel it if you are having dinner and you drink the whole bottle, when you stand up from the chair, then you can see that's 15% alcohol, but not in the moment of the taste. So for me, for me, the, 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 the thing, the, the, the clue is to have this uh, good balance between acidity and tanning. So it halt the, 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 the alcohol. Right. So it's, it's, it's about that natural balance between all the different structural elements. It's, uh, yeah, for me, the place, so for me, Scladay, it's a really good place to grow Garnacha and it makes that even Garnacha, it's a high sugar producer. So it means uh, high alcohol due to the characteristics of the area. We can pick it with good acidity and overall right tanning and it holds the, this power of the alcohol. So the three wines I, uh, that I tried, the Cartoche was my favorite, I think. Um, can you um, describe that wine and where it comes from and how it's made? Yeah. Yeah, let, let, let me first uh, say a pair of words about Prior, because it will help to understand better Cartoja, okay? Prior uh, it was the name given to the chief monk of the monastery, okay? So uh, for me, Prior is like a picture of the appellation. In fact, to make this wine, we source grapes 
from our vineyards in Skladei, but we use grapes from other parts of the Appalachian, from Porrera, from Belmoon. So for me, this wine are, are showing us what means a aged wine in Priorat. So it's a wine that's 12 months aged in different sizes of uh, French oak bottles. And it's like, uh, well, you want to know what's a Priorat? Taste it. If you like it, uh, then pass the door. So for me, this wine is like a, a wine that acts as the door to enter Priorat. It shows you what a Priorat is. And then you have a big wall of big wines to discover. Then if we, if we talk about Cartosha, uh, Cartosha is uh, the Priorat in, in Skladei. So the Priorat in the northern area of Priorat. Uh, and I say that because Cartosha is the selection of uh, the, depending year, 12, 13, 15, 14, 11, uh, parts of the vineyards that are surrounding Skladei that we, that we like more. So Cartosha is explaining us what means Priorat in a northern high fresh area. If we compare the wine, uh, the wines from Scaladei uh, with the wines made in the center of Priorat, where you can only find slate soil, because in Cartosha we have more or less 50% of slate soils and 50% of clay soils, uh, probably the wines from Scaladei are wines that are uh, a little bit, a little bit less uh, structured, so uh, with a little bit less of body, but we have wines with a uh, lower pH, so it makes that the wines are fresher, uh, they have more tension, and are wines that remain uh, for a lot more time as a young wine in the bottle. So what you mean? What I was uh, trying to say about Cartosha is that this uh, a period with the freshness of a cool area. And what does Cartosha mean? Well, Cartosha is the, the Catalan name given to the monastery that, that were built by the Cartusian monks. So Cartosha is the same that, 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 than Chartres in French, than Cartuja in Spanish. So Cartosha is the, is, is the name given, given in Catalan to that kind of monastery that, that were the ones were, uh, that were built by the Cartusian monks. And so, talking about Catalan culture, how does Priorat fit into Catalan culture? It's kind of a... Because Catalan, Catalonia is different from Spain, although within Spain, is it kind of a, a regional pride with Priorat or a regional connection? Because everything on the, on the labels is in Catalan rather than Spanish or even English. Yeah, that's true. And uh, that's because uh, uh, it's the language that we speak. And uh, mm -hmm. for me, uh, for me, when you are talking about wine, uh, as I was saying that uh, wine uh, must talk about the place where the grapes came from. Uh, when we are making wine, we have to be honest in the whole uh, process. And, uh, and for me, showing it, in Catalan means uh, to be uh, honest with the area uh, where you are working, where you have grown, where the vineyard has grown, and, and the way of doing of, of, of the area. It's like if you go to France, you will buy a, a wine that's uh, the label is in French. If you go to Portugal or you go to Galicia, it will be in Portuguese. And I, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's something natural, something that uh, is like, uh, like that, uh, for me, it will be strange to, to put the label uh, in label back label. Uh, depending uh, if you have to export, probably you can you can you can uh, put uh, something in in the language where you are selling. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's something natural. I'm also interested in general about the relationship between a region, which is the farming region, and the nearest big city. And so the first time I tasted Priorat was in a restaurant in Barcelona. I'm just wondering how important Barcelona is as a market and being able to spread Priorat around the world. I can say that uh, for our winery, we are around a 60%, 60% domestic market. And uh, domestic market, if we talk about Spain, we can say that about this 60%, 80% of the wine is sold in Catalonia. And obviously, uh, Barcelona is our biggest uh, market. 
the other 40% is export. But uh, yeah, uh, to, to have Barcelona very close because it's one and a half hours driving. It's very important for us as Barcelona is a very touristic uh, area and it makes uh, like a speaker to to, to, to explain uh, all the wines of Priorat. Yeah, yeah, it's very important. And then just uh, with the final wine, Masteu, that that's a single vineyard, Garnacha. What makes this wine so, so special or so individual? Well, uh, <clears throat> that wine... Is one of the vineyards that I was uh, explaining that uh, was a vineyard that we know that was planted with Grenache 350 years ago. So uh, it's a historic place for Grenache. And that's important because uh, we have to think that, uh, that if the, if the, the monks arrived in the 12th century, so they had a lot of time to make trials and to decide which were the best places to plant each vineyard, each grape, I mean. So we know that Masdeu was planted with Garnacha uh, 350 years ago. Uh, and it's special too because it's our highest altitude vineyard. It's, uh, it's a vineyard that's not common uh, in Pirat because it's not a slate soil. So it's it's a vineyard that, in, it's a terraced vineyard and in the bottom terraces that's a completely red clay. And in the top terraces is limestone soil. So. Uh, and, and we, we make uh, a wine from, a, from, from the vineyard. And another thing is that <coughs> on that wine, we do two in Cartosha and in Prior, but uh, on that wine a lot more. We try to make this wine as the wines were made before uh, the technical revolution that happened in the winemaking during the 80s. I mean, that wine is made as the wines were made till the 70s of last century. So uh, it means that we don't distend this, uh, this, this wine. So the, all the grapes are with, uh, or this wine is fermented with 100% of the stems. That it helps us, because Garnacha for me it's a grape that in terms of uh, finesse and elegance, we can compare with the top uh, or the vedette grapes in the world, Nebbiolo, Pinot Noir. But Garnacha, it's a grape that lacks sometimes in, in tannin. And uh, for me, there are three ways to give this extra amount of tannin to, to, to the wine. That uh, you can go to the shop, buy a bag of tannin and add it during fermentation, but it doesn't work if you are thinking on to make wines with uh, to have a large life in the bottle. Then uh, you can use small barrels uh, to age the wine and uh, the elastic tannin of the barrel will go into the wine and it will help uh, to build up the wine. But then there is a risk and the risk is that at the end of the aging, you can have a perfect oak juice, but the oak juice that can be made in Pirat, in Jumilla, in Chile, in Australia. And for me, what's important is to show the place where the grapes come. And using stems, if, if are ripe, and, if, and when you are in a high altitude, uh, as the ripening of the skin is delayed, uh, you can pick uh, at the same time uh, ripe skins with ripe stems. And these stems give us this extra amount of tannin. So it helps us to build up, to build up the, 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 the wine. We are using stems because we can use it. But uh, in the past, uh, the wines were made with stems because there were no stemmers. Uh, that wine is fermented in concrete tanks as, as in the past. So uh, that, that wine is fermented, trying to imitate these peaks of temperature during fermentation that happened in the past. And this wine is aged in a big size of uh, French oak uh, foodres, or, or I think uh, you have uh, 2014. 2014 <coughs> was aged in a concrete tank. So that wine for me is important as it's, it is showing the Grenache grown in that area. That's completely different from another vineyard at two kilometers from there. Uh, it's important because it's showing how Grenache uh, shows in a high altitude. And it's important because it's showing a way of way making that uh, it was it was close to disappear with uh, this technical or Bordeaux revolution of the way making that happened that happened in the eighties. No, somehow was uh, try to try to taste the wines from the past to know how to make the wines of the future. So and 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 that and that vineyard and that way of uh, way making uh, teach us uh, how to uh, think about the wines in the future. Well, that summarizes Priorat probably looking to the past and looking to the future at the same time. Uh, lots of history, but 
going forward. What do you think of the, is the future of Prea Rats? What are future trends, future styles? Well, uh, that's a good question. It's a good question. Uh, there is a challenge uh, for us in Prea Rat. That's this uh, climate change. What's true, and 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 uh, for me, that I'm working in a in the oldest winery of the area. We have seen that uh, picking the same vineyards in uh, the 70s of last century and picking the same vineyards uh, nowadays, there is like uh, 15, 16 days in that we are picking it in advance. So it makes, uh, and, and, and we are picking uh, 15 days in advance and with around 1% more alcohol. So uh, they were picking at 13, we are picking at 14 to, to have the same skin ripening, okay? So uh, if, if it doesn't stop and it seems that it's not going to stop, uh, so I think we are late to fight about this climate change. Uh, the thing that we can do is try to make it happen slower. Uh, and the other thing that we can do is try to adapt to what's coming. Uh, what people is doing in rat right now is trying to go to plant in a higher altitude in order to delay the ripening. Try to plant more in northern uh, or in north facing. Again, to that. But uh, don't know, and uh, probably I, I I will be a little bit uh, or uh, an exaggeration. Uh, maybe in 50, 60 years uh, will be a good area to make perfect sweets, perfect sweet wines. But uh, yeah, it's a, it, it's a big challenge. By the moment, by the moment, uh, we can enjoy uh, doing red wines, but uh, I don't know what will happen in the future. It's, 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 really, it's really challenging and it's really worrying what, what can, can happen. Um, just one last question, going back to Garnacha. So the, the Mastero was 100% Garnacha. As you've mentioned before, Garnacha was considered not the highest quality grape variety, maybe because it's just so widely planted and not planted in the right places or just high yields, everyday drinking wine. But in Spain, Garnacha has become more trendy, more popular, higher quality wines. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think Garnacha has changed. Is it just because people are taking it more seriously, or, or old vines, or just um, trends? Well, uh, I think that uh, it, it can help. It can be helping two things. By one hand, uh, the wines that uh, are well scored from let's say 10, 12 years ago to now are not the same wines that in the 90s, that in the 90s were uh, a lot of color, a lot of concentration, a lot of oak, a lot of everything. So wines that you can eat more than drink, no? And Garnacha was a grape that was not really able to make these kind of wines. But Garnacha uh, can give you uh, these more fine, elegant wines that are made uh, or are uh, like it nowadays, no? The second thing is uh, people have learned more how to work with Garnacha. And, uh, and uh, there are places in, in Spain with uh, good soils in a good altitude and you can taste really good Garnachas. And then, then there is another thing for me that, that Garnacha allows you uh, to show the place where it grows uh, really more, a lot more easy than, let's say, for example, a Cabernet Sauvignon. So Cabernet Sauvignon, it's, it's a lot more about the, the grape, so it's a lot more powerful. Garnacha can show you the soil, the, 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 the terroir that the French say, and uh, you can take a Garnacha from Madrid, and a Garnacha from Aragon, or a Garnacha from Priorat, and you will feel uh, really big differences. And, and uh, I think that uh, the wine world is going uh, onto this direction, no? On try to find differences between where the where, where the wine came from. And for me, uh, it's 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 a thing that makes this this world really interesting, no? That you can you cannot talk about a, a light garnacha or 
I don't like that match because uh, uh, you can be in front of completely different matches uh, from McL from McLaren Bale to California to, to Madrid or to Priorat. So uh, and, and Garnacha for me allows that allows uh, a lot more easy to show where it came from, and it makes for me it interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting because when I started kind of studying wine and thinking about it, I learned that Garnacha or Grenache had to be a blend because it didn't have the tannin or the acid. When I was, when I was studying, it was the same. Uh, that Garnacha and Carignana were not good grapes to make uh, top wines. But that's not true. We have, we have to unlearn a lot of things that we learned when we, are, when we were studying. Yeah, and that's a good thing. But now there's international trends of this Mastillo 100% Garnacha is fantastic. We're also tasting 100% Garnacha or Grenache from Rioja, other parts of Spain, southern France, Australia, um, here in California as well. And so um, people are really beginning to explore the possibilities of Garnacha on its own, which is uh, really exciting, I think. And I think, as you say, it really does reflect where it comes from because it does change from region to region. So really, uh, all three wines that I tried were absolutely fantastic and interesting to try the different styles according to the blend or the single varietal wine and also the vineyard it's coming from. It's interesting with the Mastillo that it wasn't the uh, slate soil, and it has the soil on the label, the Argeo calcari, so the, the clay limestone soils, which I didn't realize existed in Priorac because it's so famous for the slate. It, 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 it's less than 5% of the soil of the Appalachian, but it exists. And it, and, 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 it, and it matches really well for us in the The, the matching about uh, the, the power, the deepness, the concentration of the, of the wines that you get from a slate with the, the finesse, the elegance and the freshness that you get from the clay in high altitude, it matches really well. Prurat has a, a varied terroir, different grape varieties and, of course, different winemaking styles and, as we've mentioned, the history of the region, but also always changing and always adapting and trying to be uh, looking towards the future. So thank you, Ricard. Really nice to uh, talk to you. It's been a pleasure, Matthew. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.